guys, you're here with Dr. Molly and Todd Rowland, and we're bringing you the podcast, the business side of the pet industries. Today's episode, we're going to talk about, so you think you're ready to expand. There's a lot to think about when you're looking to expand your business. And this is, uh, this episode is primarily going to be focused on, um, hiring your first employee. And then some of that also relates to hiring that second, third, fourth. There a lot of times there's the same expenses, whether it's your first hire or your second, third, 15th, whatever it may be. But we also, we just want to mainly talk about why are, why are you ready to expand? And do you know everything you need to know to be able to expand? Yeah. So the first thing to ask yourself is, do you even want employees and do you even have the business? So are you only expanding because you can't take new customers? And if you are, are you utilizing everything besides hiring an employee to make sure that you're actually maximizing the potential and actually tapped out on the customers you want? Yeah. Like, I mean, have when's the last time you raised your prices or do you have a wait list and turn people away because you're the cheapest person in town? I mean, that's one thing. That's one thing to look at. Yeah. Because if you're going to hire, you need to make sure before you do that, you know what you can afford to pay and then make sure that you're priced accordingly. You're going to have extra expenses, extra insurance coverage, um, things that you're going to have to consider, you're also going to have to consider what's a good livable wage that an employee will accept to work for you. You know, would whatever commission or hourly or whatever you're expecting to pay your employees, is that going to be enough that you're going to find good workers, find people you can trust and depend on? Yeah. Whether you're paying commission hourly or, you know, hourly commission bonus base, whatever your thing is, you need to figure that out first, run those numbers. Are you charging enough to cover that and, you know, run the math, you know, if this person does X amount and then at the end of the day, after paying all these expenses, not just their payroll, but the taxes, the extra shampoo, the extra, if it's a van, the extra gas, wear and tear on it, all those things, are you actually going to make enough to make it worth the headache of having an employee? Or maybe do you, do you need to hire a skilled person or do you want to train somebody? Or maybe your first employee, you know, maybe you're spending an hour every day on the phone to return phone calls and stuff. Maybe you hire someone who's a bather slash receptionist for you. You know, those are the things you need to start looking at before you jump out and make that first hire. Yeah. So let's say you're at that point and you're not taking new customers and you're turning away and, you know, you may have your voicemail that for six months now has said, I'm sorry, we're not taking new customers and you don't even bother to return phone calls. Now, how do you really know how much of that is lost revenue, lost potential, and how many days you could actually be booked up? So let's start first with, you know, why it's important to answer those calls, return text messages. If you're at that point of expansion, that way you can actually keep a list. You know, you can keep a wait list. You can keep a, when we are accepting new customers list. And as that list grows, you can track how many dogs they have, what type of dogs and how booked, you know, how much clientele you're actually turning away. Yeah. And, and find out what it, and before you start on that process, what is your drive for another employee? Is it to reduce your workload? Is it to increase your revenue and have a, a better living? I mean, what is your drive behind hiring that first employee? Yeah. Are you trying to take a step back? Are you trying to grow and build? Do you want to keep growing? Do you want to train? Is that something that you're just passionate about putting groomers out there? Are you looking to train someone that 
and you're okay with them leaving afterwards? Or are you trying to create a team and someone who's going to stay? There's a lot of different ways that people go about expanding their business. And you have to just kind of figure that out at the beginning of why you want to grow and what direction you want to take it in. Do you think you want to eventually build a team or do you just want one or two groomers to kind of help with some of that overflow? Um, as you're trying to figure out um, if you have the business and if you can actually support another full-time employee, instead of just going out and buying a whole second set of equipment, tubs, tables, or going out and buying a second van, make sure you're fully utilizing what you have now to see if it's even realistic to support a second groomer. Like, and the ways you can do that, like if you're in a salon and let's say you yourself are grooming four or five days a week, well, you can either, you know, have kind of shorten or condense your hours and then expand. So do like a split shift thing. So instead of your salon being open, maybe eight hours a day, maybe it's open 10 to 12 hours a day split between two people to see if there's enough have it, you know, maybe if you're open Monday through Friday or Tuesday through Saturday, have someone that's coming in on those off days and seeing how booked those get before you just go into hiring another full-time person, go ahead and getting that second set of equipment. Yeah. And I recommend starting a wait list for new clients. Even if you're, if you're thinking about expanding and you've been telling people, Oh, we're not taking new clients, go ahead and start a wait list. Kind of go over, tell these people, enter the phone, take their information, tell them what you charge. Just because you may have 10 missed calls a day of people wanting to get in. Once you tell them your pricing, you may not, they may not actually book with you. So that may be a thing that you want to track before you go out and hire that next employee. Like, oh, I think I have all these customers, but at my pricing, maybe I'm not ready to hire that full-time employee. Maybe I do need to advertise for a part-time groomer or maybe hire that bather slash receptionist that can help you with those calls and get you a few more dogs a day. Uh, don't, you know, I just seen a post on Facebook the other night um, about someone hired an employee and their employee was complaining to them that they don't have enough dogs for them to make a living. And it's like, so again, don't just jump out there and hire somebody without knowing for sure you had the clientele. And we all know this industry is up and down depending on the seasons. I mean, our mobiles that we have don't usually have a slow season. Those people are on a, a fixed rotation. Our salon, it does have some hills and valleys in it a little bit, but, and that's kind of standard with the industry. But again, like um, knowing that, make sure that when it's a slow season that you're not, that you actually have enough business to support your staff during that and that they are getting dogs. You know, we're seeing where people are getting no dogs, one dog. I mean, I even, you know, came from an environment where there'd be days where that's what it was like for me. They'd have 10 groomers scheduled and each of us would have one dog. And so again, when you're looking to expand, make sure that whether it's no matter what time a year, what season your salon, your van may be in that you actually have that. And that's why tracking, calling back, keeping that wait list um, is so important. Yeah. And if you listen to our episode uh, before this one about, uh, so you're ready to think up your own, you know, you have a, you, we tell you, you need a business plan. Again, you need to update it business plan before you hire that first employee, like go over the, how you're going to pay. You also need to find out, you know, what's required in your area. I mean, there are certain, parts of the United States, you know, that require you to have insurance once you hit a certain amount of employees, you know, like um, health insurance, you have to provide it once you have a certain level or, you know, you've got to get your workman's comp insurance. There's so many things about adding that next employee. If you've been a solo entrepreneur that you're going to have to add on that you probably haven't factored in those costs that you need to think about when you're setting your prices, getting ready for that new hire. It's just a lot goes into this before you hire your first employee. One of the big things is, is the employee handbook. Don't wait to make that until after you've hired somebody. 
Exactly. You need to know what your expectations are. What do you expect from them? Um, how are you going to run things? You need your PNP, your policies and procedures. The last thing you want to do is hire someone and not have a plan on how to train them and not be clear about your expectations, values, and goals as an organization. You need to have all those set before you even go into interviewing. So that way you can be upfront and clear about the kind of person, the kind of fit, the role and expectations that you have for them and that they can know and you can know going into it if you guys even think you'll be a good fit because the last thing you want to do is hire someone, go ahead and book, get them booked out, start introducing them to clients and then you have to let them go because it or they leave because it's not what they thought it was, it's not what the expectations were on either party, and then now you're left with all this clientele that you have no groomer for. Yeah. Do you even know what's legally allowed to be asked during an interview or what you're having people put on their application? I mean, there are so many things you need to get ready for when you're going to start hiring an employee that you really need to think about what payroll service you're going to use. Most of the time, if you're solo, you're doing owner draws. So, I mean, those are all the types of things you need to, to find out how you're going to do it. But also, I said this to somebody the other day, don't be the employer that made you venture out on your own. Don't be that employer. But at the same time, you do have to have policies and procedures. Like I know a lot of times when people first hire their first employee, they may hire that good coworker from the place that they used to work at, that they just know that those two are going to be perfect. And you might get along perfectly at the one place. When they come to your place, you know, it's your name, it's your brand, it's everything that represents you. You put your blood, sweat, and tears into it to get it to where it is today to be able to hire employees. No person that you're going to hire is going to be you. No, no one's ever going to do it like you do. They're not going to care as much as you care. At the end of the day, it's not their name. It's not their livelihood. I mean, yes, it's their job, but you know, if your business goes under, nobody else is going to carry that burden except for you. Um, and that's everything that's included in it. So that's why it's just so important to make sure before you expand, before you take on that extra expense, before you make that additional investment, especially if you're mobile and you're looking to expand, you know, there's a lot more startup costs um, in getting a second unit, a second van, whatever that may be. So that's why we encourage you to start with utilizing all of the days and all of the space available in what you have. So if you're thinking about, oh, well, I'm busy, I'm booked, I need to get a second van and get a second groomer. And again, that's where that wait list, that's where tracking comes in. That's where you can utilize that van six or seven days a week with a part-time groomer to see if there's even the need. If you can't get your first van full and running and booked six to seven days a week, then you don't have the need for a second groomer and a second van. And we've all seen it in the Facebook groups. What do I do? I just bought this van. I have a $1,800, $2,000 payment and the employee I hired worked two weeks and quit and I can't find anybody else. I, I can't make this payment. So those are the things that you can work through before ever ordering that van. As Molly said, go ahead and utilize that van six or seven days a week. I mean, that's not a long-term option for maintenance reasons and rescheduling and for implement weather and things like that. But it is a way to test the waters to make sure it's going to work. Again, I always say really focus on your pricing. And you might think, well, I'm making a decent living. I, I don't have to change my pricing to hire an employee. But you got to realize you're going to give a certain percentage to that employee, whether you're paying them hourly, however you're paying them, plus the additional maintenance costs, the like I said, you're going to have to have a, a payroll software. You've not been paying for that, most likely. You may, because you're solo, be pen and paper. Now you need the software. Like, there's so many things. Not to mention you're matching taxes. You're going to, you know, that person is going to use just as many supplies as you use. Um, 
the electricity will go up if you're open seven days a week versus five days. Are a week. you are you providing their tools? Or are they bringing their own? Are you are you covering their sharpening? So those are all the things that go back into that business plan from the previous episode about you really need to make a second business plan for expanding. Yeah, like you need to have all that down. Your budgets, why, what you're going to do, the type of a team member you're looking for. Um, how you're going to get that, how you're going to promote them, where are you going to look? And then like Todd said, all this really, before you go into, go to look at yourself and at how, are you equipped to lead a, another person or to run a team? What training have you had in management? You know, there's so much that we've found and that we've heard of, of why people are leaving and it's toxic culture, toxic owners, um, toxic managers, and you know, there's things you can do. That is a learned skill. That's not something that you can just say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to open my business and get employees and it's going to go great because I, I've had some bad, um, employers, so I know what not to do, but that's a lot easier to say than do like, yeah. You- like for example, you, it's almost like a marriage when you hire that employee, you don't really know until you're really into it. And you can, we have a very, specific interview process we do. We usually do a phone. We do it in person. We usually meet the significant other at dinner, coffee, something like that to really get a vibe before we make the decision. But even doing all of those things, once they're in the business, it just may not be a good fit. Like you have to remember, not everybody is going to cut that dog's head exactly like you would. I mean, even if you train them from ground up, like everybody has that little bit of difference. And again, it's not their business. No. And then part of your responsibility as a business owner is to go ahead and see, you know, how does, how do people handle conflict resolution? How do people learn? How do people need to be approached? How can I talk to this person? You know, not everyone is the same. Not everyone communicates the same, learns the same, or has the same abilities. So you can't just think that if a groomer is trained, oh, you know, yes, they've been grooming two or three years, but that doesn't mean that they're going to have the same expectations as you or that, you know, and you can't just yell at your team members or, you know, get frustrated or just expect them to do everything how you would do it without being able to get that across to them. Yeah. And as Molly, you know, she did the two-year study on on the employee turnover in the industry and, and what it was. A lot of that was back to what Molly said, like, have you had that training to handle the conflict resolution and everything? And you may think that you're good on all that, but until that van in this maybe, or that salon, like you worked so hard, you put your name online, you maxed out your credit cards, you drew all your money out of a 401k to get this business started, whatever it, it may be. And the first thing that gets tore up that costs a crap ton of money that, you know, that, that person in has not even brought enough money into the business yet to fix. And you have to put that out there. That's when the training that you've not had to be a great manager or, or great employer will really show because you might fly off the handle the first time. Yeah. And that's not to say that it won't happen even with training, but go ahead and having that soft skill and that management leadership training that those will give you the tools on how to bounce back from that, how to take accountability, how to apologize, how to actually value um, what, you know, that person is bringing to your organization, how to have the difficult conversations. We also see there's a lot of business owners that even if you're, you're ready to expand and maybe you are approachable or, you know, you do have some of that, you yourself hate conflict. And so you'll let 
um, employees take advantage of you or you won't set boundaries or you'll put up with something that is a red flag over and over because as the business owner, you're the only one that can actually approach that team member and talk about the issue and address it and, you know, let them know how it needs to be handled. And if you're not doing that, it's just going to continuously grow to a more negative situation. And, and these are things you need to figure out again before you bring them. We've seen it time and time again where people have expanded and it's more so in the the mobile fleet, uh, because the salon environment, it is typically cheaper to bring on that next employee. Like you, you know, you really, your fixed costs don't change that much. It's still expensive to bring on an employee, but the mobile, if people buy the extra vans, extra trucks and trailers, however you go about it, there's, there's a big expense. And we've seen people keep employees that do not represent their brand because they have a payment they can't, they're, they don't know what to do. They got to fire this person before they can hire the next person. And next thing you know, they're, they're running their business in the ground because they're scared of getting rid of a toxic employer. And not, I use the word toxic a lot, but maybe they're not toxic. Maybe they just don't fit your brand. Maybe they're not the culture you want. You know, that those are the things, again, that expanding the business plan to come up with those before you hire that first person. Yeah, because if you outline the expectations and what you need from them and what you're going to provide them, and if they can't, if they don't think that they're going to be able to do all that, or you can't offer them something they need, then you know right away that you all are not a good fit. So there's no point in trying to make that work and winging it as you go if you could set those expectations up prior to even starting with that employee. Yeah. And then there's just a lot to think about too um, when you have an employee. Okay, so let's say you have two or three team members and now you're ready to expand again. So it's basically the same things you have to look at. Like, do you have the clientele? You may have enough for two vans, three vans, but do you have enough for that fourth van? Yeah, and at a certain point, this this is something that's not talked a lot about from what I can see. As a certain point when you grow, and you're having to, as the owner, you're you're either having to groom less because you are having to do more managerial duties, or we see people turn someone into a manager that has no experience. But th these are the things you need to start thinking about. If you're you have two employees and yourself, you're grooming, everything's running great, but you're still have turning people away. And you think you can get that extra person. Start tracking all the time that you spend on things as the owner slash manager of your salon or mobile fleet. And notice like at a certain point, you're going to grow and you may get too big where you can't groom that you have to be a full-time person. And is that worth it? Because, you know, it's probably going to take two to three people to replace your income, which you could do. You know, when you do your income, once the overhead is covered, like that's most of your profit. But when you have employees and you're paying all them and you're spending more and more time doing managerial stuff, does having that third or fourth, fifth employee actually bring in enough money to justify you cutting back your time? Yeah, because before you can step back and step out of that role, I mean, you'll have to know what it is that you need to bring home every week and how many people is it going to take to replace your income while you're paying them and while the expenses are there, because you'll no longer be bringing in as much money or bringing in that money at all. So, I mean, that's something, I mean, to think about when considering, you know, a lot of business owners own their job and they don't own their business. And the difference in that is just, if you own your job, I mean, you're having to work to produce that. Income. Yeah. If you don't groom, there's no money. That means you own your job. And that could be whether you have employees or you're a solo owner, like, you know, that's easy to do at both those. Obviously if you're solo, you own your job because it, your business doesn't go on without you. If you're not there, if you're not producing, then then there's no one to do it. And then if you have multiple employees, you know, you can still, 
be that business will only is only successful because you're there every day actually doing the physical work to bring that profit in, to bring that revenue in and bring it up. So it, what's your goal? Do you want to step back? Do you eventually want to just own a business that you are, you know, drawing income off of, but you're not producing the income with the physical grooming? That's not to say that you're not going to add revenue and add value because the things as an owner, as a manager, that's keeping this business going, you're going to make sure, you know, that you're returning calls, that you're getting people booked, that you're not um, overlooking safety things that could, and maintenance. So there's a lot of value you can add, but you have to make sure that you can actually afford to step back and that the business can afford to step back. Yeah. And I know a lot of people we talk to that leave that corporate box store, you know, they, the manager really might have not had management training, not a good manager, but a lot of it goes back to, it's just, everything's a number. You got to get X amount of dogs to the door. It doesn't matter if they're bad, good or whatever. And you're like, if I ever have employees, I'm not going to be that way. Well, at the end of the day, it is a business and numbers are important, but there is still a way to treat your staff respectfully. And that's again, like be very clear in the handbook. What are your sale quotas for the week? What are our expectations have all that stuff. The worst thing you can do is hire somebody and they work there for two months. And then you're, you go and talk to them and say, Hey, this isn't working. We're going to have to do X, Y, or Z. And that person's like, well, the only reason I left my other job is because you said we weren't going to have to do that here. And so those are the things like run that spreadsheet out on what it's costing you and everything, or what days are you paying holiday pay? Are you, I mean, all these things come into account before you need to hire that first employee. So many people hire that first employee, and they don't realize what they're doing. Or if they keep growing at five, six, seven, eight employees, and you realize, oh, my holiday a year costs $8,000 between all these employees. And I didn't factor that into my pricing. Yeah. So again, make sure your price, but also like, and let's, now while we're talking about payments and, you know, percentages and, pay, you know, what we're going to pay employees, let's go back to if you're a, an employee and it is not realistic for you to pay your, um, or if you're an employer, it's not realistic for you to pay 50%. Now we're not going to tell you specifically what to charge or what to pay because that's a individual thing that, you know, we can help you work through on a one-on-one -on -one basis, but there's a lot to consider. It's, you know, it's what your expenses are, what your prices are, what do you want to bring home? You know, there's a lot, it's not just 30%, 20, 50, but 50%, those are back from when everything was mainly 1099. Or even today, the big box stores can continue to pay that because they have tons of other sources of revenue coming in. Yeah. Grooming is their lowest source of revenue. And most, a lot of, I'm not going to say most, but a lot of corporate salons or salons that offer all those other services actually lose money on their grooming because their payroll is so high. And another thing to think about too is, and people, I know some people probably have already quit listening to the episode because we said don't pay people 50%. But this is why if you're paying someone 50%, and you have to match your commission and your patent have to match your taxes, which puts you at 57 and a half percent. That's before any state or local things you may have to meet. Then your credit card processor, so let's say at 3%. So now we're at 60 and a half percent. Oh, and you wanted to offer health insurance and you wanted to match uh, simple RA or 401k at 3%. Next thing you know, you're at 65 percent of what they bring in, that is not sustainable. And you may say, oh, well, if it's $100, I still have whatever left over. No, you don't because the extra shampoo, the the insurance costs, the workman's comp costs, like 
it's it's not long term. And I've met people that say, oh, I'm making plenty of money and I'm paying my employees 50 percent. If you dig into that, that person is still grooming five to six days a week in there every single day. And that so, yes, their business may be making money, but it, how much is that generated from that person? Like it's not sustainable. Or we see other areas where, you know, it's not a corporate box store, but maybe they have for boarding, daycare, enrichment services, things like that. So it kind of offsets that. So their total payroll is not that. But there's not another single industry out there that pays their employees 50%. Like that's unheard of. And there's tons of other skilled labor that provide their own tools and stuff like, you know, you go to to get your car worked on and it says up there hourly rate, $120 an hour. I can hundred percent guarantee you that that mechanic is not making $60 an hour. He's probably making somewhere between 25 and $35 an hour. Yeah. So that's where you got to know, like, go ahead and figure out what you can afford to pay and then get your prices up to where your groomers can make that high percentage or, or that high living and that good quality of life and actually get paid as a skilled laborer, because that's what we are. Groomers, we are skilled workers. Like this is not a job everybody could do. And I 100% believe that groomers need to be compensated for that skill and work, but it can't be at a cost to you as the business owner, because if you're paying your employees too much, you're never going to be able to save. You're never going to be able to step back. You can't grow like you need to, and you can't provide the things that you want. You know, how much education do you offer a year. I mean, there's so many things, how many, you know, holidays, paid time off, all these things that groomers want and that those are benefits. But if you're adding those, I mean, your payroll, I mean, we didn't even mention some of those can go up to 60, 70, 80%. And sometimes, I mean, we've seen, we've talked to people, we've helped where they're actually in the negative because they have employees because of all the different expenses that add up. And if it wasn't for them grooming six or seven dogs a day, the, the whole business wouldn't function. So those are things to think about. Again, like run those numbers. Don't just say, oh, well, I've always been paid 50% or oh, my last place, I was paid 45%. That's when I pay my people. Like run the numbers. What is your workman's comp costing you? What is your credit card process? Like go through each one of your expenses before you hire that first employee so that you're not overextending yourself. But again, like Molly said, like you also want to pay your people a decent living where they are not coming to work stressed about, oh, I don't get paid till Friday. My lecture bills due on Thursday. Like that's not a way to have employees either. You, you know, now some of that could be on their personal budgeting that has nothing to do with you, but you know, in your area, what it costs to, you know, what you need to make to make a livable wage. Yeah. And so, you know, they'll have the argument, well, I'm doing all the work. I should, I should get 50% or I should get this, but you know, as the business owner, how hard it is and how much effort and work and everything that you put in and all the other costs associated with running a business. It's not as easy as just putting a sign up in the door and cutting dogs. There's all that other stuff. And if someone feels that they deserve that much of your business right off the top, then they should go into business for themselves. Yeah. And I think one thing that, in, you know, if you're an employee and you're listening to this, you need to get over what percentage you're getting paid if you're getting paid commission. Uh, I know some a lot of places are doing the hourly plus um, production bonus now, but the commission part percentage is really irrelevant because you can go work for someone at 50% and make less than someone who's paying 25%. And I hear people say, I would never work for 25%. Well, if they're charging $200 a dog, I'd rather have 25% of 200 than I would 50% of $50. I mean, that's the things that you need to think about as an employee, but I know we're not talking about as an employee, but also as an employer, think about like, it, don't get off of this, what percentage or what per hour production bonus, you know, think about what per month am I going to be able to pay this employee? What 
what would be their yearly salary? Is that good enough for the area that we live in? Is it going to make them have a nice living and kind of work those numbers that way too? Yeah, you can work backwards and then figure out what you should be charging. And if that's going to, and if you're charging that, and I mean, that's great, then you can provide all that. And, you know, when you're talking to someone and they give you their pay expectations, that's a, yes, we should be able to meet that. Or no, I'm sorry, maybe, you know, it's not going to work out. Look at, give the overall numbers. You know, when we first start an interview and talking to someone, we don't just jump in with, this is the commission amount we pay. We jump in with, this is your average salary. Like this is your average take-home pay. And I mean, we have the data to back that up. We see what our groomers are bringing home. We know our prices. We know our projections. Like, so we can give them real numbers. And when they look at that, they don't even care what the percentage is because they already know they're either making what they need to make more than they need to make, or they're not going to make enough. And if you're an owner and you're, you're thinking, well, I've always made 50% before and I, sh I feel like I should pay them that it's, it's again, it's not the percentage it's to, to, can they make a decent living? And if you're an employee listening to this, it's not because your owner is greedy, but again, like Molly said, the 50% is the big box corporate stores that maybe losing money in their, you know, grooming area or people that have a lot of other different streams of revenue coming in. So maybe their overall payroll isn't that 50%, but maybe for the two or three groomers they have, but it's important to, for employees to understand like there's so much cost that goes into that business and now employees do want things that a lot of groomers weren't offered five or ten years ago like molly said the pay time off the vacations you know a lot of people now want three or four weeks of paid time off like that's kind of calculated into the lower percentage or the hourly production rate like you need to figure all that out do you want to offer your people two weeks of paid time off i mean and how are you calculating that some states require you calculate that time off of their commission at a certain rate or a certain minimum so like all that needs to be factored in in what, how you're going to hire your first employee or expand. Yeah, exactly. So we hope that we have provided a little bit of information um, into really getting to understand why you want to expand. Are you ready to expand? Can you financially expand? What costs are associated? What training do you need? What coaching? And just make sure that before you even start looking that you have all of that defined. You have your policies, procedures, you have what you're looking for, you have what you can afford to pay, and you have a plan for how to market that to current customers, new customers, and to potential hires, because you want to provide yourself and present yourself and market yourself as someone that other groomers would want to work for. Yeah. I know we're wrapping this episode up, but just a quick one. And we will have an episode about this later too. It's like, how do you hire great groomers or great team members, but market your business, not only to your customers, but to potential employees when you get to that point. Like you want your place to be the place in town to work for. Exactly. And you can do that by being prepared, being prepped and having a game plan of, and, you know, somewhere that people know that they're going to get quality and they're going to get treated humanely and that they're cared for by their employer. Yeah. There's a groomer employee in every town that everybody's like, oh, you don't want to work for them. And then there's that place in town. Everybody says, gosh, I wish they had an opening. I would love to work for them. So be that person that people are talking about. Gosh, I love working there besides that XYZ company down the street that no one stays because the owners are crazy. Yep. So just some things to think about as we're ending this year and moving into the next year and you're thinking about growth and you're thinking about expanding and either mainly getting that first team member or, you know, that second or third, just really look at why you want to do it. Is it financially feasible? And then from there, you can just set up a plan for success. Yep. So thank and you. you until guys, next time. Have a great one.